Hey everyone, welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like Star Trek, continuously going where no one has gone before. Uh, today on the show, we're going to talk about really two topics that kind of work together. Um, the first topic is ignorance, kind of just general ignorance. Um, and in this world of 2018, where we have access to social media and Google and so much information at our fingertips, 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 um, we are continuing to to have these conversations where we're pretending to know what we're talking about and not actually asking questions or being willing to admit that we don't know something for the sake of, of uh, community or harmony or self-perception or whatever it is, a conflict avoidance, like it's maddening. And then the second half of it, we're going to talk about the casual use of psychological terminology, uh, again, kind of connected to that general ignorance of not taking the time to learn what those actual terms mean and to realize that when we're trying to have impeccable conversations with our words, impeccable usage of our words, that the deliberate use of words, the correct use of words, and creating a sort of emotionally gender or gender uh, emotionally um, neutral terminology is going to allow us to move the needle forward. And it's not about um, making sure that we're not offending people, but it's about accuracy. And it's about trying to find a way to actually have a productive conversation that doesn't lead to three hours of emotional management, right? So I talk about terms like, uh, first of all, using the example of terms like privilege and um, uh, trigger, but then we also talk about um, OCD, anxiety, and depression, which I think are three of the most common terms that people use. I didn't really talk about bipolar, which I should have talked about that a little bit too, because uh, people say like, oh, she's so bipolar, and it's frankly insulting to uh, to people who have bipolar depression, who are not bad people, who are not angry, who are not trying to ruin anyone's lives. They're just dealing with mental chemical things that they have going on in their lives. So to associate those things with negativity or to casually reduce those terms into everyday, just things that we say diminishes the importance of continuing to try to come up with, with solutions and guides and really being able to listen to someone uh, when they have these serious issues. So we're going to talk about all of that today on uh, dopamine, ignorance and casual use of psychological terms. So let's do it. Drums, all right welcome to the show hope you guys are doing well happy friday uh i'm actually recording this the day before actually the week and day before um because i have a friend of mine coming into town tomorrow and i will not be able to record so i have to do this double time uh, but I'm, you know, it's good. I'm excited about it. Uh, today, I, I kind of went rogue this week because I had mentioned earlier in the week that I was going to go and talk about certain topics. And then I kind of just broke the uh, broke the cycle a little bit. But that's okay. Uh, I, I like to wake up and just like, I don't know, this is what I want to talk about. So if I plan too much, then it kind of becomes a little boring for me. So I, I, I take notes and then I just kind of, if I feel like I don't have an idea of what I want to talk about, I just kind of like... I don't know. I, I just, I just pick something off the list. Right. But usually I wake up and I'm like, uh, like triggered by something, right? Like I listen to a keynote or I have a 
sort of a perspective on um, something that uh, a conversation I had or something I've noticed on Facebook or something. And it just kind of like, I wake up and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what I want to talk about. Let's go. I feel like ranting. <laughs> and the thing is every day I feel like ranting. So it's perfect to have this podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk about kind of two different topics that uh, hopefully kind of molds into one. First is sort of um, ignorance and enjoying ignorance and kind of like using ignorance as like a social status bragging point. And then the second is the casual use of psychological terminology, terminology, um, OCD and like anxiety and like, Oh my God, I got so much anxiety and you know, that sort of thing. So we're going to talk about all of that in the second half, but right now I'm going to talk a little bit about ignorance because it's, um, it's, it's not, I think when people hear ignorance, they immediately think, oh, that's like a stupid person or someone that just doesn't, uh, it's not interested. And the thing that I find difficult to comprehend about ignorance these days is that we have Google. <laughs> so, um, there's almost a certain, there's almost a certain like braggadocious quality to not knowing something. And I'm not sure what that is or why that is. Like, it doesn't fully make sense to me to say like, uh, but I, I just, I don't know what this is instead of like looking it up or, or asking someone's opinion on something, right. Or asking them to educate them. And they just say like, I don't know. And then they just, or pretending to know, right. I think that's probably the worst <laughs> is when you're having a conversation and you can kind of tell that someone's just nodding along and they're just like, Oh yeah, that was funny. And I used to do that when I was younger, actually. Somebody would mention a movie and they'd be like, have you ever seen that movie? Uh, this blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, just to kind of keep the conversation going. <laughs> and, uh, then they would tell you something specific about a scene. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that was really, that was really good. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And then the conversation dies cause I have nothing else to add. Cause I didn't actually see the movie. <laughs> um, and I don't know why we do that as people. I think it's a conflict avoidant thing. I think even the the simple notion of saying like, oh, I've never seen that. And assuming all of these things in your head that you're going to be judged, that they're going to be like, why haven't you seen this? And be like, I'm a person. <laughs> Sometimes I don't see things, uh, you know. And um, I think when I was younger, I just didn't have those arguments sort of figured out or worked out. Uh, because now if that happens these days and somebody asks me if I haven't seen a movie, I'd be like, no, I haven't seen it. I'd be like, you haven't seen the Godfather. I'd be like, I just, it's never been on my radar. That's, it doesn't mean I'm any less of a, anything. It just means my life has been different. That, that's kind of come into play when I was, you know, when I was younger, I played more video games than I watched movies or TV. So if someone asks me about some sort of like old movie or like, I remember I didn't see labyrinth until I was like in my early twenties. And um, uh, I remember being kind of slightly ridiculed at the time. Like, Oh, you haven't seen labyrinth. It's like the greatest thing ever. And then you watch it and you're just like, I think your nostalgia is playing with you. But <laughs> the, the notion there is that like, you know, I just had a different upbringing, different life, different things. So there's kind of two sides of the coin of like ignorance, right? Like if, if you don't know something because it's something you're not interested in, then yeah. Like why would you research anything or know about anything? Um, but it certainly doesn't mean you should avoid having a conversation with someone who do does know something about that. If it's relevant to the conversation. So if somebody starts talking about sports to be like, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with that terminology. Maybe you can give me some insight or um, I wouldn't be able to help you to move this conversation along. But if it's something you're passionate about, you know, 
cool. <laughs> it really depends on what you're willing to uh, kind of deal with, I suppose. Um, but I, I, generally, I think it's really maddening and fascinating that in this world of Google and access to an infinite amount of information that we could either pretend to know things that we don't know or to not know things about like what's going on in the world. Like we don't have to know every single detail, but like to completely feign ignorance, but still have an opinion on something is just like ridiculous. Like it's one thing to say, like, I have no idea about that. I have nothing to offer. And then another thing to say, like, I think I kind of heard from this one person that there was this guy that touched this girl. But then I think the girl was like, trying to just take his money and I don't really know, but I heard from my friend who was a friend. Like, I just think this, this world today of like whisper down the lane, like I heard my friend from a friend say this thing about a friend and just this idea of like fake news and not fact checking and not like being sure of something is like just learning from your friends is like, it just doesn't make sense to me uh, because there are just ways to check multiple sources and, and to learn like, from other people even like what like is actual versus what someone's just like pontificating about. Right. So none of that makes sense to me uh, that someone wouldn't uh, be able to educate themselves or, or in any kind of way and continue to kind of go through life. And this just like, I don't know. I don't know how to internet. Like, <laughs> uh, sorry for the Southern accent, not trying to be kind of, you know what I mean? Regionalist? Is that a term? Regionalist? <laughs> um, that's probably going to be once the hipsters catch on. Um, uh, anyway, if I apologize to everyone, we're never going to get this show going. <laughs> so um, point being that, um, you know, especially in the world of like social media and the way that if you're refusing to essentially move on with the times is more of, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like I hear about all the time, like the older generation or even a lot of young people saying like, I don't know how this works. And then just kind of like standing there helpless. It's just like, I, I don't, maybe you should learn. How do you learn? You just look, there's YouTube, there's Google, there's like, you can ask voice things these days. You can look on your phone. You could go to the library. <laughs> like there's a ton of ways to learn how to do something, but to continue to feign ignorance and just like sit there and just be like, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to let life happen to me. I don't All right. Um, and I'm just going to use my ignorance as an excuse to continue to complain. And, um, you know, just everything else is the problem. Not me. I'm my refusing to grow is not a problem. Um, so uh, did I mention that last week I was kind of going through some stress? So I'm kind of just venting a little bit because I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm a little maddened by a lot of people, not specific people, just, just people I've experienced lately. And this continuing of the narrative of like feigning ignorance for the sake of just being able to talk to someone about something. Right. Um, and to maybe even perceive, be perceived as more intelligent than you are when in fact you're just kind of looking a little dumber um, by pretending to know what you're talking about. Right. So, which is what I do on the show all the time. So who am I talking? <laughs> who am I talking to? Um, uh, but, but essentially like, I don't know. I just feel like there's very, there's less room for ignorance these days in terms of informational stuff and especially informational stuff. But even when it comes to like, 
you know, interpersonal stuff. If you're not sure of something like there's easier access to people's lives these days than ever before through social media uh, of all kinds. And even with an in-person conversations, like if you're unsure of something that someone said or unsure of someone's, um, current current status in their life or if they you know remind me did you get a you got a job recently right or you didn't or you lost your job or i don't know if you're uncertain it's okay to say that you're uncertain and that's really the crux of all of this is is like what's so wrong with saying you don't know and uh, i think that's a big challenge we have i think we want to be perceived as smarter than we are we want to be perceived as having all of the answers <laughs> and um uh, essentially like being, I don't know, maybe it's like a subconscious sign of being trustworthy or being a, a team player is to like not conf conflict with anyone. But like my entire life is all about conflict with people <laughs> in some way, shape or form. I'm always going to ask questions. I'm going to ask questions about things that don't make any sense. And a lot of people because of emotional harmony and needs for really any kind of uh, uh, big need for social, um, uh, conflict avoidance will just kind of go along with things. And that's, that's just maddening to me. I don't know. Again, that's not my natural speed. So it's really easy for me to say that, but I'm hoping if you're some, like a person that is of that type who is kind of avoiding conflict and not asking questions or afraid to say that you don't know something, um, get over it. <laughs> Um, I, I, it's easier said than done. Practice is what I really would say. You know, the next time someone says to you, like, have you seen this movie and your instinct, just take a second, take an extra moment to think like, okay, have I seen this movie? No. Okay. What's going to happen if I say no, probably nothing. They're going to be like, oh, okay. Or if they do criticize you because of their friend and they're going to be like, oh, well, have you seen this movie? You could just be like, I've got things that I do. I don't know. I've got a, I'm, I got a different life than you, bro. <laughs> like, you know, not everyone goes down the same path. Um, you know, so it's, it's just kind of weird to me to, to have that as the thing. So um, we're going to kind of break into a second topic today on the episode after we take a break real quick and talk about the casual work of casual use of psychological terminology um, that actually kind of, lends credence to the ignorant conversation because a lot of people use this terminology quite ignorantly. And um, it's just things that we're so used to saying that it's just kind of maddening that uh, when you're someone that is experiencing different mental illness uh, illnesses and someone uses your mental illness casually to insult someone, you personally can feel pretty insulted. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Let's go. Now from a word from our sponsors. I'm, I'm just kidding. All right. Welcome back. Hope you're doing okay. Um, since we're, I, I, this was a topic that I kind of wanted to take time to like research a little bit, but I didn't. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna speak from the butt and <laughs> see what comes out. Um, gross. Uh, and it's Friday. Uh, it's a little bit of a looser show. I should, I might as well be drunk. I should probably do these episodes drunk on Fridays, honestly. <laughs> um, one of the things I, one of the th th things that I talk about quite a bit on this show or really with any conversation that I have with people is that the language is incredibly important in the way that we communicate with one another about serious issues going on in the world and being impeccable with your word and being deliberate with the usages 
of the terminology that you use is incredibly important. I think that is uh, relevant today with a ton of terminology that has become commonly associated with uh, either being positive or negative on one side of the uh, of the spectrum. You know, like a term that would uh, typically be seen as neutral, like triggered, um, people see it as a negative these days. When you say that someone's triggered by something, you're like, oh, that means I'm emotionally unstable and I had a negative reaction to something that is something that I should not take personal responsibility because if I were to admit that I was triggered by it, then I would be weak and that would not be good. And I don't want to be seen as weak or perceived as weak. Um, but truth is, you know, when you're triggered by something, like it is like a reaction, like something caused something like it's not, you know, you pull the trigger. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is like a negative, but socially we've made it a negative term, which is maddening to me as someone that is uh, an objective type of person that tries really, really hard to just kind of speak based upon, um, uh, accurate word usage. Now I have to navigate socially the term triggered because I'm going to assume that saying that I was triggered by something or someone was triggered by something has an immediate negative connotation to it. And really I'm just trying to be factual in saying that someone got upset by something. Right. And I think, um, the same thing applies to the usage of the word privilege when it comes to, uh, social, terminologies and, and things kind of going on in the world. You know, people get very, uh, you know, the term privilege has a negative connotation now because the assumption is that the word privilege associates is associated with money. So that when someone says has someone says that, that white people experience white privilege, um, uh, a Caucasian person would assume that, that, uh, the person is talking about their social status and their wealth and, um, the immediate reaction is usually like, I'm fucking poor too. And I don't have privilege and all of that stuff. And um, it's just, you know, poor word usage and inaccuracy, right? Somebody just thinks of something, they think it's cute and they, they kind of perpetuate it and put it out there. And I think in any conversation to move the needle forward, accurate, uh, accurate terminology that is neutral and useful, I find is, the best way to move forward because really what I'm going to find is like, again, with these social issues and with other types of um, things going on with different kinds of discussions on the internet and stuff like that, um, more and more people have to learn the correct terminology to address things accurately. And it's not about making sure that someone is or is not offended. It's about being able to properly communicate with someone and being able to navigate a conversation without having to navigate through someone's emotions first, right? Because that's frustrating and annoying and it kind of uh, it really negates the purpose of a constructive conversation like that. So um, all of this leads to this feeling that I get when I'm, I get really frustrated by the generalized usage of OCD and anxiety and um, depression as catch-all terms for people who are mentally healthy who have experienced um, deep emotions or emotions that they're not used to experiencing because of a trigger in their lives, right? Um, they lost a loved one or they lost a job or they went through a breakup or a divorce um, of some kind. They lost a bunch of money, something that happened to, or something that is about to happen that has caused a sense of depression or anxiety. And then someone who just happens to be a clean freak and they use the term OCD to express that they are a clean freak. But really, we, I, I want to bring to light that all of these terms being used loosely is 
both insulting and unhelpful. And I think that is the, the second, the latter there is the key component because people speak about people being offended by words, but really the point of someone being offended is because the term is unhelpful. It does not move the conversation forward in any kind of happy or healthy way. So when someone uses the term OCD to reference being a clean freak, it is diminishing the severity of what OCD actually is, which is essentially a tick that they have to perform ritualistic uh, behaviors before they can go towards another thing. Like something triggers them uh, with something ritualistic and they have to perform this in order to move forward. And if they're not able to be able to, to do this ritual, they're going to experience an intense panic, essentially. Um, I'm not familiar with OCD in any kind of um, specific depth, but as far as I understand, that is what it is all about. And at least that basic rudimentary understanding is 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 not that hard to, to, to search. It literally is one Google search to differentiate actual OCD from your common everyday uh, diminishing of the reductive definition of OCD. And the point is, and, and if you're someone that's listening to this that has used that term, um, you're not a bad person. You know, these are things that we use uh, um, without thinking. This is something that we've done all the time. And frankly, it's stuff that we've been taught by society or our parents to just kind of say as, you know, in reference to something. We're just kind of like miming and repeating what people say, right? Uh, I think about the term bless you all the time and how like, I don't want to say bless you to someone, but it's also socially awkward if you don't, right? <laughs> so um, I've done experiments where I just don't say it and it makes the room really palpable. And it's really interesting to test that out, to not respond to someone sneezing. Because first of all, responding to someone sneezing is really strange on its own, let alone saying bless you when I'm someone that is not at all religious. <laughs> and it's it's just really strange. So I, I actually replace it with salud, which is the Spanish version of it. Um, and I remember um, Molly's daughter saying once like, that's not bless you. <laughs> like it's the Spanish version. Um, but even like when you're kids, you know, you're instilled with this notion of like, that's just what you're supposed to do. And um, I don't think it's any different from learning some of this terminology when we're a kid and associating loosely uh, OCD with cleanliness and depression with being sad and anxiety with being uh, nervous. Right. So, like the challenge there is differentiating and using more accurate terminology to explain or express what it is that you're going through. I understand in the extreme terms of like losing a loved one or going through a long-term bout of something of sadness, of grief, mourning, that you will associate it with depression. But it's certainly important to understand that depression itself is a completely different thing. Depression is something that is almost given to you versus something that happens to you, right? You're born with it, essentially. You know, it's not something that like you cure or make go away. It's something that you are constantly fighting. Even if your life is going well and you've learned how to manage it, you're still managing it. You're not necessarily, you haven't gotten rid of it. You're still susceptible to it. And I think that is incredibly important to make sure that you're aware as someone who has experienced depression, that you are someone that is continuously susceptible. So that anyone that's trying to teach you or, or um, 
sell you on any kind of notion that depression is curable, they are lying to you and you are setting yourself up for a massive crash later in life. So it's important to be aware that this is something that continues to happen. And especially when you're dealing with any kind of um, major loss or major life change that it could very well spring back up. But the average person may be experiencing a sense of mourning or a sense of loss and deep sadness. But depression itself is very different than that. Depression is just a nothing. It is a a neutral state almost, um, neutral towards negative, but neutral in the way that you are numb in your conscious mind, essentially, and your subconscious allows you to take over, which is, uh, which is essentially what I, what I feel. And again, this is my opinion that, um, that the subconscious is essentially taking over, uh, because the conscious mind is in the depressive state. So your subconscious is, consistently playing with thoughts of death and suicide. And, um, you know, this is not working. We should just, we should just abandon ship and that sort of stuff. And, um, and I honestly think that's what's happening, but I have no, um, real proof to back that up. That is just based on what I've experienced personally. Um, so with depression, essentially the difference is like a, a sort of muted nothingness versus sadness. I'm not sad when I'm depressed. I'm just, nah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've just got no interest. I've got nothing. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just here, you know? So that's, that's kind of the difference. And, and it's a difference between public perception and what it actually is. Right. And again, it's just another thing that's kind of a quick Google search that is very frustrating that in conjunction with the earlier aspect of ignorance that we talked about in the previous segment, that we just continue going through life, like saying these words or doing these things and not considering the implications of what those things mean. You know, words matter. They absolutely do. And again, it's not about being offended or anyone being offended in any kind of way or being offended on behalf of yourself or another person, but it's about accuracy. And it's about making sure that this feeling, this term, this, and all the feelings associated with the term are leading to a more helpful conversation. Because if you have to navigate this default terminology that you choose to not have to learn and change and develop, um, I don't want to have to slow down my development for your ignorance, right? I don't have to slow down my conversation because you choose to not learn what a word actually means and how it's useful or isn't useful, right? And, and, or even own up to the fact that it could be something that is uh, helpful to actually learn the terminology and not just use it in an ignorant way, right? So again, with OCD, not being a cleanliness thing, but, but being about ritualistic uh, uh, triggers and, and ticks and um, uh, about depression being about kind of nothingness versus sadness. And anxiety is another one that I hear commonly used all of the time when they've got like uh, uh, something coming up that a normal person would be nervous about. They're just like, I've got such intense anxiety about this thing that's coming. I'm like, yes, everyone experiences that. That is not unique. That is not unique to you. <laughs> like anxiety is getting a random anxiety attack. Like, while you're out for a walk or something like it, something seemingly innocuous, right? Again, it's another Google search, but it's, it's having momentary, even having momentary anxiety is very different from hang, having an anxiety disorder. So, okay, we're going to do an example right now. I'm going to search anxiety disorder on the Googles and just see the first thing that comes up. So we're going to do 
NIMH, anxiety disorders. Overview, overview. Occasional anxiety is expected an expected part of life. You might feel anxious when faced with a problem at work, before taking a test, or before making an important decision, but anxiety disorders involve more than temporary worry or fear. For a person with anxiety disorder, the anxiety does not go away and can get worse over time. The symptoms can interfere with daily activities such as job performance, schoolwork, and relationships. There are several types of anxiety disorders, anxiety disorders, including generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and various phobia-related disorders. Um, and, and that is a point that I want to bring up based on all of these things, OCD, uh, depression, and anxiety, is that these symptoms can interfere with daily activities such as job performance, school, and relationships. And uh, just to kind of, let's just keep going down the anxiety rabbit hole. Signs and symptoms, generalized anxiety disorder. People with generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD, display excessive anxiety or worry most days for at least six months about a number of things such as personal health, work, social interactions, and everyday routine life circumstances. The fear and anxiety can cause significant problems in areas of their life, such as social interaction, school, and work. Generalized anxiety disorder symptoms include feeling restless, wound up, or on edge, being easily fatigued, having difficulty concentrating, mind going blank, being irritable, having muscle tension, difficulty controlling feelings of worry, having sleep problems, such as difficulty falling, um, uh, yeah, as difficult difficultly falling or staying asleep, uh, that, that was worded weird, um, restlessness or unsatisfying sleep. Panic disorder, um, they may experience, um, people with panic disorder have recurrent unexpected panic attacks. Panic attacks are sudden periods of intense fear that come on quickly and reach their peak within minutes. Uh, attacks can occur unexpectedly or can be brought on by a trigger, such as a feared object or situation. During a panic attack, people may experience heart palpitations, a pounding heartbeat, or an accelerated heart rate heart rate, sweating, trembling, or shaking, sensations of shortness of breath, smothering, or choking, feelings of impending doom, uh, feelings of being out of control. People with panic disorder do often worry about the next attack when the next attack will happen. Actively try to prevent future attacks by avoiding places, situations, or behavior they associate with panic attacks, worry about panic attacks, and the effort spent trying to avoid panic attacks. Um, cause insignificant problem or cause significant problems in various area of areas of the person's life, including the development of agoraphobia. Yay. That's what I'm going through. Um, uh, phobia related disorders. A phobia is an intense fear of, or aversion to physical specific objects or situations. Although it can be realistic to be anxious in some circumstances, the fear, uh, that, the fear people with phobias feel is out of proportion to the actual danger caused by the situation or object. People with phobia may have a irrational or excessive worry about encountering the feared object or situation. Take active steps to avoid the feared object or situation. Experience immediate intense anxiety upon encountering the feared object or situation. Endure unavoidable objects and situations with intense anxiety. There are several types of phobias, phobia related disorders. So there, there are more specific things here. Um, you know, specific, uh, phobias, uh, flying heights, specific animals receiving injections, blood. There's a social disorder previously called social phobia. People with social anxiety disorder, have a general intense fear of, or anxiety towards social or performance situations. They worry that actions or behaviors associated with their anxiety will negatively be negatively evaluated by others, leading them to feel embarrassed. This worry often causes people with social anxiety to avoid social situations. Social anxiety disorder can manifest in a range of situations, such as within the workplace or the school environment. People with agoraphobia have intense fear of two or more of the following situations, using public transportation, being in open spaces, being in enclosed spaces, standing in or being in a crowd, and being outside of the home alone. All of those. <laughs> um, people, uh, well, I mean, not public transportation so much, but um, 
open and enclosed basins for sure. I don't like standing in line or being in a crowd and uh, being outside is not something I actively seek out. So people with agoraphobia often avoid these situations in part because they think that being able to leave might be difficult or impossible in the event they have a panic-like reaction or other embarrassing symptoms in the most severe form of agoraphobia, an individual can become housebound. Um, so there's separation anxiety disorder. There's all sorts of different kinds of anxiety. And the point is that uh, just being worried about a test is not the same as having anxiety. I'm going to do a quick search for depression or depression, as I spelled it. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, same website. And I'll just read the overview and first like general section here. Depression, major depressive disorder, or clinical depression is a common but serious mood disorder. It causes severe symptoms that affect how you feel, think, and handle daily activities, such as sleeping, eating, or working. To be diagnosed with depression, the symptoms must be present for at least two weeks. Some form of depression are slightly different, or they may develop under unique circumstances, such as persistent depressive disorder, also called dysthymia, and a depressed mood that lasts for at least two years. A person diagnosed with persistent depressive disorder may have episodes of major depression along with periods of less severe symptoms, but symptoms must last for two years to be considered persistent uh, depressive disorder. Postpartum depression is more, much more serious than the baby blues, rel relatively mild depressive anxiety symptoms that typically clear within two weeks after delivery that many women experience after giving birth. Uh, we're going to skip that because it's a long paragraph. Psychotic depression occurs when a person has severe depression plus some form of psychosis, such as having disturbing false fixed belief, delusions, or hearing or seeing unsettling things that others cannot hear or see, hallucinations. The psychotic symptoms typically have a depressive theme, such as delusions of guilt, poverty, or illness. Seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, is characterized by the onset of depression during the winter months. Winter months, when there is a less natural, there's less natural sunlight. This depression generally lifts during spring and winter. Winter depression typically accompanied by social withdrawal, increased sleep and weight gain. Predictably, returns every year in seasonal affective disorder. Uh, bipolar disorder is different from depression. It is included in this list because sometimes. Uh, someone because someone with bipolar disorder experiences episodes of extremely low moods that meet the criteria for major depression, called bipolar depression. But a person with bipolar disorder also experiences extreme high, euphoric, or irritable moods, called mania, or a less severe form called hypomania. Yes. Um, examples of other types of depression disorder newly added to the diagnostic classification of the DSM-5 also include disruptive mood dysregulation disorder uh, diagnosed in children and adolescents and premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So there's all sorts of signs and symptoms, uh, persistent, sad, anxious, or empty mood, um, feelings of hopelessness or pessimism, irritability, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, and helplessness, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities, decreased energy or fatigue, moving or talking more slowly, feeling restlessness or having trouble sitting still, difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions, difficulty sleeping, early morning awakening, oversleeping, appetite or weight loss changes uh, or weight changes, thoughts of death or suicide or suicide attempts, aches or pains, headaches, cramps, or digestive problems without a clear physical cost and or that that do not see even um, or do not ease even with treatment. So um, not everyone who is depressed experiences every symptom. Some people experience only a few symptoms while others may experience many. So there's other things, there's risk factors, all of this stuff that, that goes into that. But understanding that that is very different than just being, you know, sad when there's an actual 
trigger that makes sense is just kind of a different thing. Not to say that if you're mourning for a very long time, you shouldn't see a therapist. You absolutely should see a therapist and to help you through that process. But it is very different from chemical depression. Um, and using, especially using depression as like social status and normalizing it. The idea here is that depression and mental illness is a unique and special scenario and should be continued to be treated as such. And when we use these terminology, usually depression, oh, I'm so depressed today. Um, OCD, I'm so OCD. I just love cleaning things or um, I've got anxiety for my test tomorrow. Like, you're diminishing the good work of people who are trying to continue to find what is actually going on with people who are experiencing the deep depths of the negative aspects of all of these things. So, okay. Oh, that was a lot of talking. I talked a lot really fast, but there was a lot of purging of passion there because <laughs> it's mending. Um, and, you know, humans be weird. So I just got to talk about how humans be weird. That's what I do. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, I hope that if you don't know something, you are okay with saying you don't know something. And a quick Google searches could save you um, some embarrassment, honestly, and create some positive conversations in the right direction to make sure that we're using the right terminology. Again, not to make sure that we're not offending people, but just to make sure that we're moving the conversation forward in a productive way, right? Because, you know, we... we the human nature is to move forward and moving forward in terms of understanding um, knowledge and language and treating each other better and helping the weakest links in our society, uh, the people who are struggling with different challenges and being able to just be there for each other and being able to have productive conversations is going to be a massive boom for humanity, humanity. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that's it. I hope you guys uh, take care of yourselves and enjoy the weekend. You can listen to the show and other episodes at dopamine.life or subscribe to the show on your favorite uh, podcast platform. You can also leave a review, uh, which would be amazing. I would love that so much. And if you wanted to go to check out my INFJ course, you can go to cnote.media and check out my other courses as well, uh, including one where you can learn how to make your own podcast. So there's all of that stuff there as well. So that's it. I'm done for the week. I'm going to move on with my life. I've got a friend coming into town tomorrow. We're going to have a good time this weekend and uh, chill out. It's going to be very exciting to see uh, other familiar faces around um, because I spend a lot of time indoors. <laughs> so we're going to do things. It's going to be good. I'm excited, a little nervous, but excited. And I think it'll be good. So that's it. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.